0: Okay, you're probably looking at the the name of the message today, boating with content. Content is something that we deal with and have dealt with all our lives, and it's something that we'll continue to deal with until we leave this earth. Man has been struggling with uh, contentment from the very beginning. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, a perfect garden, they weren't content. And when Satan um, teased them a little bit, they gave into that because they wanted to become gods or God. And we've been struggling with contentment ever since. It doesn't matter if you're 10 years old, 100 years old. If you live in East Asia or if you live in Africa or United States, we all deal with contentment. Understanding that we're all in the same boat, hopefully we can find some helpful ways to deal with contentment. Come to think about boat. Uh, That's a metaphor. It's kind of ironic that we use that. If we're all in the same boat, I'm sure that we all wouldn't be happy, would we? Maybe the boat's color wouldn't be right. Maybe it's purple and you don't like purple, or it's green and you don't like green, or you want pinstripes on your boat. Or maybe it's the size of the boat. Oh, it's too small, it's too congested on this boat, or it's too big, way too big to clean this boat. Ah, uh, but maybe it's where it's headed. Maybe you got a man driving and he hasn't asked for directions and this boat is going somewhere. And... Or it's the speed of the boat. Oh, this boat is just crawling along. It's too slow. Or it's too fast. It's crazy. Or who's on this boat with us? I don't want to be standing next to them on this boat. Or the accommodations on the boat. Where can a guy get a good burger on this boat, you know? I think you picture it. You you understand the dilemma that we're in, being on the same boat. So we need help. We need a solution. And God's Word is full of great advice. There are many different areas of contentment we could talk about today. And I, as I started, I had three of them that I was going to talk about. But I started with job contentment, and that's all I got to. So it, there's many other areas we could talk about, but... One of the main reasons why I felt led to talk about job contentment was because I dealt with that. I had a huge problem a few years ago, primarily about my salary. So I hope you don't mind that we're going you listen to my story here a little bit, and we're going to take some time to listen to my story before we dig into some Scripture. Uh, we'll look at um, how God is... Uh, Got some things in scripture that deal directly with contentment. As many of you know, I worked at Articat for twenty, nearly twenty years. It was like nineteen point five years. I started out on the assembly line where most everybody starts out, and then I was uh, then I went to the uh, quality assurance for a couple of years, and then I was the safety guy for many years, and I just loved being the safety guy. Um, as a safety guy, you're always looking for hazards and you're, you're trying to fix things and you listen to people and, of course, people get hurt. and It's like, why did you get hurt? How can we prevent that? So it was a really fun job, a demanding job, a stressful job, and yet very, very rewarding. I loved working with people, but I wasn't content with what I was making at work. I'd convinced myself that I needed to be paid more for what I was doing, and it consumed me. It's all I thought about. The writer of Ecclesiastes 3:5:10 says, uh, "Whoever loves money never has enough money. or whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This, too, is meaningless. I'll never forget the time when my boss invited me to lunch. And I thought to myself, oh, this is great. It'll just be me and him, and I can talk to him about getting a raise. I even went so far as to write out all of my points on a piece of paper so that I wouldn't forget anything. As you could tell, I'm a note man, and I kind of survived by my notes. Um, So I could let him have it with both barrels. And I did. I deserved a raise. I need to stop right here and tell you that my boss uh, took a great risk to give me the safety job when he did. I didn't have any safety education. In fact, at the time, I didn't have a college degree. Um, and, uh, but he told me that he saw potential in me. He thought that I could do a good job at the safety job. It was a really great opportunity for me, and I was very fortunate to have this job. But I let him have it. I deserved a raise. I told him I deserved a raise because I was doing this and that and this. and I don't remember his exact words after I was done, but I do remember his face, that look of disappointment. He had taken me out to basically thank me for the job I was doing, and I... Slapped them with my discontentment. I think Judy can attest to the fact that me and money, we don't separate very easily. Um, She might even say that I squeak when I walk. (laughs) I I understood from the beginning when I was married that I was to be the provider for my family, but for me, I think it goes a little bit deeper. Maybe some of you guys can relate, some of you people can relate. You know, it's in my DNA. I, I have money-tight chromosomes or something. Uh, so it, it's no money, it's no, it's, it's no wonder that I struggled with how much I was making. Honestly, I think uh, the majority of the men here can see where I'm coming from. God has uh, made us with that unique part in, in our makeup to provide for our families. That's why we hunt ladies, we got to provide meat and put meat on the table. That's why we hunt deer. That's why we hunt turkeys. That's why we hunt ducks and skunks and coons. we got to put meat on the table, right? God has made us that way. Can I get a manly grunt? There we go. Thank you, guys. Men and women are a little different. And I need to stop right here and put in a little plug for... Um, uh, Judy and I are going to start a, a Bible study in our home on October 11th at 7 o'clock, and it's called Love and Respect Series. But this series is, it's really good for marriage, but it's talking about love and respect. And it doesn't matter if you're married, if you're not. It's just, you know, how we can respect each other, how we can love each other as people. And it sure goes a long way. I mean, if, if it's your boss, if he's uh, unlovable, how do you love that unlovable boss? So that's October 11th at 7 o'clock at our place, if you're interested in that. But back to the story. God has ingrained men to provide for our families, and a huge part of that is making money. So when we're working on a job, we want to make the most that we can, right? Makes sense. And really, there's nothing wrong with that until we become discontent. And discontentment, can consume us. And that's where I was at. I wanted to make more for my family. At the time, we had three kids, and those three kids eat a lot of food, and they have to go to the doctor, they have to go to the dentist, and, and no offense to the school district, but there's school-related expenses, and, and above that, you've got your house expense, your car expense, you've got pay taxes. So there's a lot of things on our plate, isn't there? have got to provide for your family. Nothing wrong with that until it consumes you. That's where I was at. Not, longer, not long after I did that horrible thing to my boss, God started dealing with me. I don't know if someone had talked to me about it or if Pastor Gary was speaking about it or whatever. God started dealing with me in my heart about being content. I don't remember um, exactly how it came about, but um, I was sitting at my uh, cubicle at Articat, and God said, be content with what I am providing for you. Be content with what I am providing for you. So I made a promise to God. I promised that I would be content with what He was providing for me. Now, promises are something that you shouldn't take lightly. And uh, I was told since I was little, don't make promises you can't keep. And Jesus taught the same thing in Matthew 5, 33 through 37. We're challenging Dave here. Has he got it up yet? Oh, boy, he is. He's good. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is His footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair black, white or black, but let your yes be yes, and your no be no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. We shouldn't make promises, take promises lightly. However, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't make promises. Think of the marriage commitment. It's very important that you promise to be together forever. Promises can be a very good thing. And in my case, it was a life changer. I really felt like God had performed a miracle in my life. You've heard how people have, uh, you know, have addiction of of smoking or alcohol, and how God has just taken that away. And that's what God did. He healed me that day. The next time uh, I got a review with my boss, um, and during that time, you you kind of have a um, a time that you can beg for money. I mean, it's it's okay then. Um, I didn't. I I asked for more vacation to be with my family. I think he was sort of shocked, and he was just kind of waiting for that. And uh, I think it took him a while to understand that I would never, ever ask for more money again. It changed me. I honestly felt like there was a, a weight that was lifted off of my shoulders. That miracle happened about 20 years ago, and he's still richly blessing our family. Of course, the struggle to make ends, that doesn't go away. That struggle is always there. God has made men with the built-in drive to provide for our families. However, ladies, I think you would agree with me that it's for you too. As caretakers of your family, you, pro- you have the same drive to provide for your family, just like guys do. Maybe not the hunting part so much. Well, some of you might. We all want to provide for our families and there's nothing wrong with that but here's the key we need to understand that god promises to take care of us let me ask you this do you own anything do you actually you know have something that is yours forever and you're never ever going to lose it forever none of us really own anything god owns everything god owns the sun and the sun warms the earth and causes our plants to grow, our animals to grow. And God owns the air that we breathe, the oxygen that we get from the air. God owns the water, the life-giving water that we drink. God owns the earth that we call home. If you took away any one of these things, we would not be here. God owns everything. and We're just stewards, caretakers, moochers, whatever you want to call us on this earth. Now, some of you might be disagreeing with me. You might be saying, well, I gave birth to that kid, and they're mine, you know. But think about it. Who made us? God made us. And our kids are a gift from God, sometimes very, very special gifts. I think for the most part, we understand this and we believe it. But it's so easy to let the cares of this world just kind of wrap us up and blind us to the fact And I think sometimes that we feel that we have to take care of things. As a steward, as a caretaker, it's our job to take care of it. Not that we don't trust God, but maybe it's that we just get caught up in the busyness of life. We own nothing. God created us. God owns us. With that being said, there is much of the Bible that explains that being owned by God is not a bad thing at all, but very good. So let's dig into some scriptures. Let's turn to Luke chapter twelve, verses twenty-two through thirty-four. That's Luke twelve, twenty-two through thirty-four. And I would put a header on this passage as don't worry, be happy. Okay. Then he said to his disciples. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat, nor about the body, what you will put on it. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouses nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? and which of you can which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature if you are then are not able to do the the least why are you anxious for the rest consider the lilies how they grow they neither toil nor spin and yet i say to you even solomon in all his glory is not arrayed like one of these if then God so clothes the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Jesus teaches us in this scripture that we shouldn't worry about what we should eat or drink or wear. Again, God owns everything. And Jesus is saying, don't worry, he'll take care of us. If God owns the wild animals and the wild birds and takes care of them on this earth, then surely he's going to take care of his humans, his people. I think sometimes because we're stewards and caretakers that God has given us that mentality to take care of things. That sometimes we feel like we have the power to meet our needs. So it's our responsibility. I'll admit, um, man can do very marvelous things, but who is in control? God is in control. He is the ultimate provider now, with that being said, I think we need to clarify that the scripture doesn't say, "God meet all your needs." So, go out and buy whatever you want, and um, God will provide a way to meet that need. Uh, God will pay the bill. No, Jesus is teaching that God will provide for our physical needs—what we will eat, our drink, our, our clothes. shelter over our heads. God provide for that. But he's not going to provide for all our wants and our wishes. Jesus was also teaching us not to seek and to be anxious for things, and that we shouldn't seek for what the world is seeking for. To me, this speaks directly about contentment. I told you my story today, not so that uh, I could brag to you or or, uh, that... uh, You could feel sorry for me or whatever. I I told you my story today to hopefully help you understand that God keeps his promises. If you are willing to trust God that he will provide for you and your family, then you can be content. You can just relax and trust that God will supply for your needs, even with the salary that you're given for your job. Not long ago I was talking to a friend about contentment and he confessed to me that for many, many years all that was important to him was work. He would admit that he was a workaholic. He said that his drive to excel at work caused him to exclude everything else in life to the point that he excluded his family. I think it's so easy to do because... We're the providers. We need to take care of our families, and we get caught up in that that race. And you've probably heard the term many times, but it's the rat race, and it really is a good word picture for that. But that being said, we can take our job commitment issue a step further. Job contentment can affect our marriages, Job contentment can affect our relationships with each other. God contentment, job contentment can affect our relationship with God. As I testified earlier, I wasn't happy with my salary or my wage. I thought, at the, I thought about it all the time. And I know it affected my uh, relationship with my wife and my kids. I was stressed out about it. And I know it affected my relationship with people too because instead of talking about the Lord with people, I was many times just belly aching about how much money I wasn't making. And I know it affected my relationship with God. My prayer life wasn't what it was supposed to be and I wasn't reading the Bible as I should have been. Can you imagine all of the marriages that are affected by discontentment of money? If you want to protect your marriage and have a better relationship with your family, trust in God to provide your needs. Another very important thing that Jesus taught us in this scripture is to seek the kingdom of God. Instead of seeking the things that get us all worried and anxious and stressed out, Jesus tells us to seek the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added to you. So what does it mean to seek the kingdom of God? Well, let me ask you a basic question. How does a person know that they will be able to be a part of the kingdom of God? Or more specifically, how does a person become a child of God? And of course, your answer is going to be through Jesus Christ, by dying on the cross and paying the debt for our sins. Salvation. So a way to seek the kingdom of God is to promote the gospel of Christ by telling others about this good news. We we can't go wrong with that. By working and sharing, telling others about the good news, whether it be at church or at work, with our friends, on a mission, trip to Mexico, sharing Christ is seeking the kingdom of God. Hand in hand, with that is living our lives according to the ordinances taught by God. How do we know how God wants us to live? We live by what God teaches us in his holy scriptures, and we shouldn't deviate from them. And when we read, when we read and understand God's word, it lights up a million ways in which we can seek the kingdom of God or advance his kingdom. The Holy Spirit will lead us in truth, helping us to understand how to seek the kingdom of God. And sometimes we read it directly from the scriptures, or sometimes we hear it from other believers, or sometimes it just pops into our minds. The key, though, is that we're seeking. Seeking God's kingdom instead of our own. Being content with what God is providing for us. We are all in the same contentment boat. We all struggle with that feeling that we need to provide for ourselves. We all struggle with the attraction of the world, that, you know, all those things. We all struggle with putting our faith and trusting God. We are all in the same boat. But we, re- we need to understand and re- we need to remember that we own nothing. We depend on God for everything. He's the creator. He's the controller of this world, and he will meet our everyday needs. As believers, we can have Jesus at the wheel. He's our captain, and we can just relax and trust that he has put us on a, on a good course. However, this isn't a cruise ship and we shouldn't just sit back and, and take a suntan, uh, S-O-N, pun intended. Um, there's work to be done, isn't there? We need to be sharing the gospel. I'm going to, it's kind of unusual, but I'm going to close with some scripture. As uh, uh, Paul is speaking to the Philippians in f- chapter 4, we'll read the, that as our closing. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Contentment only comes from God, trusting that he will provide for us. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for the for the fact that you take care of us and for the peace that brings to our hearts and for the the contentment that you can give to us, that we can relax knowing that you're in control and that you will take care of us. Father God, help us to remember this. Help us not to be carried away by the world when that comes along and tempts us to do our own thing or to be like others but help us to be content with what you provide for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.